Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. And so that's a perfect example. And I and I mentioned this person, I go, there's a problem in your department somewhere, or or maybe an adjacent department that you can touch. The goal is to just solve that problem and quantify what you did to solve that problem. Hey, Rudder Nation, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and we're going to be joined by a returning member of this network, Scott Green. Scott is one of the hosts of the Llama Lounge. He's also a member of the Lima Charlie Network, which is a network I'm a part of. And he and I both have a career that is on the same path. We're both directors of organizational development teams. We help organizations build effective teams through communication, leadership development, and culture building. So what does that mean for you, though? Maybe you're in a career where you feel stuck in a rut. How do you advance your career? Well, that's what we wound up talking about in this episode. We're going to share with you one key thing to focus on so that you can communicate better about the value you bring to the table and that people need to pay attention to you. And that is ROI. What is that? What does it mean? And how do you leverage it so that you sound valuable? So sit back and relax unless you're driving. In that case, keep your head on the swivel. Um, Cars, by the way, great place to listen to a podcast because it fills the airwaves and fills your brain with some new ideas. So with that said, here we go. Hey, Scott, you know, it said if you find what you love doing, you'll never have to work a day in your life again. What are your thoughts on that? You uh, never have to work a day in your life. That is garbage, right? That's garbage because I love what I do. Like, you know, people have hobbies and my hobbies are studying personal and professional development and processes, which is what I do for a living. Yeah. And so it's, it stinks when what you, if, if I wasn't doing this for a living, it would be a hobby. But so what happened is my hobby became my full-time profession and now there's accountability to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Because like if you if you're doing woodworking or building a model train, who cares if you mess up? Right. It's your it's your hobby. So what? Yes. If I mess up in my hobby, um, yeah, there's some performance standards that we gotta <laughs> discuss. <laughs> oh man, I, I remember my daughter once asked me like, "What's your ideal job, Dad?" Because uh, I've always been like a lifelong learner, and you know, I, I told her, you know, if I could get paid to learn things. And then just share with people the things I learned so that they also learn those things. Uh, That would be ideal. And she's like, so you mean like a teacher? I'm like, no, they don't get paid enough. (laughs) No, no, that job (laughs) that gets paid. Well, that's what I want to do. And, (laughs) uh, you know, that's kind of what I do now as a director of organizational effectiveness. It's like, and that's my current gig. And then, you know, who knows where I go from here. But, you know, to teach a team of people to go out and teach other people to do that type of thing. Yeah. um, You know, pays way better than, you know, K through 12 in many respects. Uh, but here's the, here's the amazing thing, right? So, um, what I like about, so, you know, if you want to put, call it corporate training is your audience may not necessarily be the same audience for nine months straight, right? Like it is like you may go from audience to audience to audience. Um, so that's nice, right? (laughs) Like I can be done with you now, right? Whereas school (laughs) teachers, 
God bless them because they have to put up with the same kids and same parents in a lot of cases the entire school year. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so where I can go, okay, I'm done with you, right? Yep. I've, I've given you the training you need. But now I know it's different, right? In our world, we're actually, we don't just do, I mean, we, we both work for organizations. So our clients are members of that organization. But back when I was in corporate training, it was great because I'd go in, do a workshop and maybe do a follow-up workshop. And that was it. Like yeah. I didn't, you know, call us back when you want to do more training, right? Yep. Yep. And um, then, you know, on, being a, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was going to say on the same token of that though, like if you're in an organization and you have them for like maybe a training session this month and then four or five months later, you have them another training session or maybe once a year, whatever it is, uh, the, the harder part of that gig is you've got to justify the expenses and the investment. So at some point, you've got to show your organization the return on investment for pulling those leaders or those nurses or those city employees out of their jobs yeah. into a classroom. Uh, and then you got to show them that, okay, so you paid this much in salary for those folks to come to training. Uh, we paid this much for travel. We paid this much for materials. Oh, and by the way, there's catering. my part, you know, the catering. Uh, <laughs> and then the, the underlying piece that you hope never comes up is like your salary in the whole picture. Uh, and then from there, you got to show that because we invested in this training, people were able to do this function or this task faster, more proficiently, which which mm-hmm. saved this much time in uh, rework or customer complaints or loss or shrink. You know, there's got to be some kind of business tie. Um, so you want to show that your training impacted those things. But on the flip side, you don't want your training to be the sole reason why those things shifted. So you got to paint this picture of I provided a piece of the overall pie that helped move the needle the direction we wanted. Uh, and so without me, you could not have done it. But it was not solely because of me, because if it's solely because of you, all of a sudden you also become the scapegoat. Well, you know, well, if it, it doesn't work exactly, yeah. you know, it was Scott's fault or Jerry's fault or, you know, there was no training. Therefore, it was their fault. And um, so then there's the other piece. You always got to have the, the political side of it going well, that you got to you got to work with your peers and your supervisors and their supervisors in such a way that uh, when there is a training need, they call on you <laughs> as opposed to not tell you so they could blame you later on when things fail. It's like, well, we would have right. done well if Jerry was available to do a training program for us, but he wasn't. He was so busy. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> you, you, you never reached out. And they're like, oh, yeah, we did. And and then you, you find you know, that passive email that really was their request, but wasn't clear that's what they were requesting. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be the I downside. Think, yeah. I think one of the tricks to that is the keys to having successful training plans or training programs or whatever you want to call it is to make it uh, include um, some sort of project based work in there. All right. So so I I just trained you on this process. Now, your job over the next 90 days is to implement the systems, implement the, the ideas or concepts that we talked about in this training session, implement them in the next 90 days and see what you come up with. And what it does is it plays to that that participant's ego because they want it to be successful, right? Well, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they they because they don't want to fail, so they'll they'll actually um, and and I'm not saying that everything that I discuss or present is 100% foolproof, right? Um, you want people to put in their their um, sort of their concepts as well, sort of marry their skills and talents with the 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 processes that you are offering them. Um, and so what it does is 
you give them an assignment and you go, okay, 90 days, I want to see how successful you are. Yeah. Um, I want you to show me how you save time, money, resources, improve customer morale and customer services. And so that's where you can sort of build in your ROI, right? Here's the training we did. Here's the training we provided. Here's the steps that we've given them over the next 90 day to follow. The challenge is up to them to do it and improve that ROI on their yeah. own. And, and so we, we've, we've done that recently with, um, with where I work at, um, you know, municipalities are known for being sort of stagnant and archaic. And so when I got to my current role, um, I wanted to put together a process improvement team. And so, and the, and the vision for this team was when different departments had challenges, when they were stuck somewhere, I would have this, this cadre, this cohort of people that I can go, Hey, this would be a good person to help you solve that problem. So we sent them to training. We sent them to, uh, Work, uh, get some Lean Six Sigma certification, some some yellow belts, <clears throat> and part of the certification process was they had to do a project within their own department and demonstrate how these processes save time, money, energy, resources. And we had one guy, and so we're we're going to be presenting these to our city manager here in a couple of weeks. And one guy alone, just his small project where he was looking at overtime, he was looking at the the fuel that was being used on these different routes for vehicles, he saved the money on his 90-day project alone, um, paid for, if in a sense, the money he saved, paid for the training for all eight, uh, 16 people in this cohort. Yeah. Right? So if I go, that's the ROI right there, right? Just his project saved that much money um, in, the, in the past 90 days. Now, I multiply that by 16 or 15 with the other projects, who knows where the outcome, that total number is going to yeah. come from. But that's when you, you know, hey, morale is low in your department. I'm going to give you some training on how to boost morale. But over the next 90 days, I want you to do these weekly check-ins with your team. I want you to follow these these steps and these procedures and utilize these tools that we're giving you. And in 90 days, let's do a survey with your team and see how well things are going. And and And, and of course, most institutions, they want to know how you're saving time, money, resources. Um, but... Uh, yeah, anytime you can quantify any of that stuff, it's great. It's funny. It's almost like you were in my classroom on Friday or Thursday <laughs> when I did a resume writing class for uh, new grad uh, nurses who are now going to okay. be applying for jobs, preferably with my organization, because we're the organization that trained them and got them their <laughs> nursing degrees. Uh, yeah. And so we were talking through, uh, and I think it's the biggest difference between a, a leader, an informal leader and the hired help. In a sense, those two mindsets mm -hmm. are very different. The hired help will write out a resume that says just their job duties. I was responsible for um, taking cash at the cash register. I was responsible for filling orders of customers. I was responsible for checking on inventory. And that's like, great, that's the job description. That's you know, woohoo! You're telling me <laughs> yeah. you can do the bare minimum. That's that's right. great. Um, you don't stand out. <laughs> like <laughs> you just told me what. Anybody can do. Uh, yeah. And so the people who stand out, the ones who start thinking like um, with a sense of ownership and a sense of pride, uh, which also goes in line with that informal or even formal leadership mentality, is you start to measure things like the impact you had. So, uh, you know, you talked about sending, you know, your students off to do a, an actual project and kind of report back with some kind of follow up, uh, you know. So if you have a student who attends a training that's Six Sigma based, 
They round with their employees to find out what's working, what's not. And all of a sudden they, they uncover, like I know of an organization where uh, I used to work that, you know, we had this nurse manager, brand new to nurse uh, managing, uh, brand new to leadership. And th- the subject was rounding on your employees to see what's working well, what's not. And so she did that. That was her homework assignment. And, you know, within one month we, we came back together and she shared with us that she was rounding. And the thing that her employees were consistently upset about was that, um, they had broken equipment and, Mm. you know, they only have like, they were asking originally for new equipment and they only had like two machines that, we're doing the operation that they needed, the the procedure. And she's thinking in her head, like, I just saw the financials and the assets book, and I know we have five of these things. Where are the other three? And so she she was like, thank you so much. Yes, I'll look into this. Um, and so she did some digging, found out that the other three were tucked away in a patient room that they never use because it's the patient room that they tuck away all the broken equipment. Mm-hmm. And she's like... Why do we have that? Like, why do we have a room <laughs> that has all the broken stuff in it and none of the broken stuff is off to biomedical to get fixed? And why is it we're complaining about needing more space when more space is right here filled up with broken medical equipment? And they came back with all this like, well, this is the way it's always been. You know, our old right. manager would just kind of shuffle things off into this room or we'd be in a pinch and that's where we'd put it and we'd kind of forget about it. And she said, great, let's take all the stuff out of there and call biomedical and get them to fix it all. And so they did. And so it wound up costing just like a few thousand dollars for the repairs. And it was all internal costs. Like, all right, well, biomedical fixed it. It would, you know, this is a much labor and parts it took and it's all up and running. So they went from like, we're short on equipment and please buy more of these like hundred thousand dollar pieces of equipment. Uh, and for a few thousand dollars, they put all those pieces of equipment back into operation and they got a patient room up and running. And so now they're are able to get patients in more patients in at the same time the working equipment got patients processed through faster and so 30 minutes of her talking to different people on the floor led to um, cost savings of hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions because mm-hmm. you're talking about repair versus replacement yeah, and, and especially with the ability to process more patients yes revenue that, goes that, up that, exactly you're going to increase that revenue so, we came yeah. back to that follow-up. She had uh, ROI in terms of uh, cost savings of repair versus replacement and revenue increase because you had now one extra room. that More could, capability. Yeah. Yes. It was like 20 extra patients a day and you know, the cost of per visit and she had all the calculations. Uh, so the point I'm driving home is the difference is that that leader can put on her resume that she brought revenue up by X number of dollars, brought costs down, and had provided cost savings of X number of dollars. And that's quantifiable. So when you take that type of information to a uh, somebody for promotion, like, hey, promote me. Here's the stuff I've done for the organization. Here's it quantified. And it's stuff that sounds better than just because I've been here for 10 years. Right, so, right. Yeah. I was I was recently in a um, on a organizational development um I don't know if it was supposed to be a roundtable type deal. It was on LinkedIn, so it was all, it was it was web based, uh, yeah. Zoom based, and um, there were some presenters, and it was a small group. So there's three presenters. There's probably about fifteen or twenty of us total on there, <clears throat> and um, one of the participants, not a presenter, but someone just was chiming in and um, was talking about how they wanted to sort of elevate themselves in their organization, but they didn't know if 
if their current responsibilities uh, warranted that. And uh, I mentioned that and th- I kind of tend to take over those conversations because I, I, I can be opinionated. So even though I wasn't a presenter, I kind of just I got an idea and I said, solve a problem that most leaders don't even know exist. Right. Mm. Because they're, they're, they're yeah. up here. So they're, this is a perfect example of what you talked about. Right. Because it's it's status quo at that point. Right. People were just kind of going with it and dealing with it because that's just the way it had been. And so that's a perfect example. And I and I mentioned this person, I go, there's a problem in your department somewhere or or maybe an adjacent department that you can touch. The goal is to just solve that problem and quantify what you did to solve that problem. And that's how you elevate yourself, because most of the time people get so caught up in just the day to day doing the status quo um, that they don't think, OK, I need to step back and see what I can do uh, to to make an impact and make a difference. And um and the response was like, that's great. That's incredible um, advice. And I think more of us need to have that mentality that, that hey, how can I improve things mentality? Um, because one, we're in a day and age, and this is the way I look at things, where I'm hiring younger and younger people who they're cause-based, right? They, 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 uh, they're part of a oh, cause yeah. or they, and, and, and so they, their mentality and their mindset is I'm here to make a difference, not necessarily here to make a, make a living. And um, so you want to give people those opportunities to enhance the workplace or make a difference. And so I think for most people, it's just look for those little problems that can be fixed relatively quickly, right? You know, a short win, low hanging fruit. And, you know, you, you will blow some people's mind that like this, this process, this lady came up with that you're talking about, it was basically just getting rid of junk. If you think about it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We got junk. We need to do something with it and turn that into a revenue stream, turn that into um, um, improving processes. And and so sometimes it's just those little tiny thoughts, but you have to have people that you work with that want to make that difference. And that's, that's, that's the big thing. So you heard Scott and I have a conversation about ROI as a way to make yourself a differentiator among a sea of applicants if you're applying for a new job, but also to show your organization the value you bring every single day. Now, that is very important because some organizations forget what they have and they risk losing you. And so when you go to negotiate a higher salary, a promotion, or you just want to talk about future endeavors within that organization or without that organization, it's important to know what is the impact you have on the return on investment, the bottom line for the organization. And that could be through, uh, you know, prevented expenses and costs or growth in revenue, uh, reduction in turnover, which kind of leads back to that first thing, reduction in cost, all those good things. So if you found value in this, hit that share button and share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. And uh, that'll just help promote this show and pay it forward all that good stuff. And now you can also go to the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 327. There I'll include some tips on how to write an effective resume and uh, some other episodes that just talk about how to propel your career to the nth degree and so much more. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, 
They love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.